0: Have you ever thought that being an entrepreneur would be easier than this? For years, I've tried to break free from Rogue Warrior Consultant life, only to return time and again in order to survive. What I soon realized is my own isolation and self-doubt was getting in my way, and that my biggest successes, my happiest moments, came through connections with people who cared about me. It's now my mission to make it easier for entrepreneurs like us to connect with incredible human beings who rise up higher together. We are not self-made. We are community-made. But the real question is, how will we do it? This podcast will give you the answers. Join me on this journey as I interview top experts and entrepreneurs who are figuring it out. I'm your host, Jerry Kirk, and you are listening to the Community Forged Podcast. Welcome back to the Community Forged Podcast. Now, for those of you with kids like me, we've got some important decisions that we need to be making right now around their education for the upcoming year. And you know, in the past, the status quo for families has been pretty clear, but that's no longer certain really for the, perhaps the very first time. Now is a really exciting opportunity to rethink what path is best for you and your kids. One option is you know, to join in the COVID experiment, you know, and send them off to to school to learn in a very uncertain environment, you know, that will most certainly be difficult at best, you know, dealing with a myriad of of restrictions. Or maybe you'll choose some flavor of homeschooling that's out there. I recently explored homeschooling options with Pat Fullingham on uh, episode 32. So check that out if that's of interest to you. Now, for me, I've been diving into some other options as well. I've got two teenage, two now teenage boys, just turned 13. So they're now high school aged. And um, one of the options that I'm super excited about, we're going to get to explore on today's show. My guest, Intro Sophian, is the co founder of Sora Schools, which is a live virtual project based high school where students explore their interests and future careers. His journey to reimagine high school education began while he was in college at Georgia Tech and there he started his first business called Elevate Media, which produced videos and content for companies like Coca-Cola, State Bank, and Trust. He also led the student entrepreneurship community at Georgia Tech and became a venture partner at Contrary Capital, which is a venture capital firm that invests in university-founded startups. Now, eventually, Indra realized that he was learning far more from his business and other involvements than he was sitting in class. So he began to research educational models and last year founded Source Schools with his co-founders, Wesley Samples and Garrett Smiley. And today we've got Indra on the show. So Indra, welcome to Community Forged. Thank you for having me. Delighted. Um, And, you know, we've we've had some conversations already because, you know, we've been looking at Graham... Or perhaps attending uh, Sora and uh, it's all been been really good and so I'm just really excited today to explore that a bit more with you and and help our listeners really understand you know I think for me it was really hard to find uh, options like Sora so um, today we'll get a chance for a lot more people to to learn about it. So one of the things I'm really curious about is I mean you're, you're a pretty young guy recent grad I and mean, you got all these different possibilities in front of you right um, What? made you decide to focus on education especially since you just you know finished so many years of education yourself
1: yeah uh why did i you know randomly decide to start a high school <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, yeah i get that question a lot in a bunch of different forms so at least at least why i got into education in the first place um as uh, as you may have, as you may have mentioned previously like i've had a pretty i would say like on average like a pretty traditional education background like right you know I went to a good high school. Like I did the usual things, you know, where I you know took AP classes and like did well in class and tests and, you know, went to like good college. I went to Georgia tech uh, based out of Atlanta, Georgia and uh, studied business and mechanical engineering. Um, I did well in class there as too, And just I like in general, I've had like a pretty like pretty standard, like good educational career path that, you know, most parents I think would generally like to see in their student. Uh, on a more personal note, it, like, internally, I've always felt like what I learned outside of class was far more interesting than what I did in school. Uh, philosophically, like, how I perceived my education was that as long as I did well in school and got good grades in classes, then my parents and also, by nature, everyone else around me would basically just allow me to have the freedom to do the other things I really wanted to do. It's like, ah, oh, you know, I checked off the box, got an A. Okay, cool. I can do cool things on the weekend with my friends because i did well in school so i um, what are what are some of the things that uh what are some of the things that
0: you know you were naturally more interested in than uh in school yeah
1: like uh i like back in uh back in high school i started a youtube channel with my now co-founder wesley but uh back in high school i started a youtube channel just like making fun skits with like cool special effects that we basically just kind of learn like on YouTube and then just like try to make in videos. Uh, They're pretty bad. Like, don't be wrong. They were not like some mass <laughs> material, but they were like, they were okay you know, for our age and what we were doing and our relative amount of experience. So we just made a bunch of YouTube videos. I'd say we generally like did okay. Like, you know, our channel is like tiny, you know, like 300 subscribers, something like that. But we had a couple of videos that made like a few hundred thousand views, that type of thing. Nice. And so we generally did, OK, as like a YouTube channel. And so it kind of sparked my interest in like amateur filmmaking as well. We used to enter film competitions and things like that. And it sucked up a lot of time. But like I said, I did well in school, so I could do that. And so when I got into college, that interest actually turned into my first business, uh, which I think you mentioned as well in my intro, where I started Elevate Media producing videos and content for companies like Coca-Cola. And so that started because we were just generally interested in filmmaking and video, uh, video production. One of our friends asked us if we could make a Kickstarter video for his product. We made it. He raised like $14,000. It was a success. And he referred us to a friend of his who wanted another Kickstarter video, and she actually paid us. <laughs> and so it was nice. actually at that first time as a freshman at Georgia Tech that I realized that, wow, I could start a business uh, based off this cold video thing. And so that sort of kicked off, like at least in the more recent, in more recent years, my sort of Interest outside of classes, I'd say. Where you know, I went to class, but frankly, you know, sometimes in class I would spend time sending clients invoices, or I would, uh, you know, just like be doing homework, but then also on the side, you know, getting ready for that next like call with like a prospective customer, or like editing video on the side while I was like, you know, in a club meeting or something like that. And so I just ended up doing a lot of things outside of school. Like uh, I think you mentioned earlier in the intro, right? I was involved in lots of clubs. I also did a bunch of interesting things outside of school, like uh, online communities as part of as well that I like managed for too and started. I just did a lot of outside of school, and the more I realized, like later, and sort of had an like, epiphany, like sort of halfway through college, that like really my education that I was getting in school like wasn't super valuable, but everything I was doing was actually advancing my career more, like the business I started or like the internships I had, like those are all far more valuable to me, and that just seemed like, and this sort of kind of kicked off like my eventual interest that led to starting Sora and like ultimately deciding to work on that. Like once I graduated this, like this epiphany I had is that like, it sort of real, it just seemed wrong to me that <laughs> with the value of my sort of education was really coming from all these things I did outside of school and not really from the school itself. Um, and so it just, it just bothered me. It's like, why am I technically paying and spending all this time just doing class when I'm getting more value outside of class, uh, so and it just sort of bothered me, and I just uh, I just started doing more research, and like education, like models and learning science, just trying to figure out like why is it you know why are schools designed the way they are? Not to say college, but just school in general. Like why is our education system designed this way? And eventually, like you know, long to make a long story short, I ended up meeting another friend of ours, Garrett Smiley, while in college. We talked about our shared interest in education and sort of like. How we wanted to reimagine high school education itself, and then led to the rabbit hole where we talked to a lot of people about the idea and eventually started Sora. But really, like to answer your initial question, like, why did I decide to start like Sora as opposed to literally anything else as like a fresh graduate? It was something I was genuinely passionate about. Uh, It was something that I felt that we had a unique insight on, you know, as young students. You know, most people, I don't know if you are familiar, but most people who start high schools usually don't look like me. You know, they're usually like, Fifty or something, they want to give back to their community. Sure. Um. So for us, like high school at the time we started it was, was literally four or five years ago for us. And like it's very fresh in our minds.
0: Yeah, totally. Like, you, you still got, got that a unique insight. hands-on experience. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Right. It's it's still you still you still got the taste of what that was like. This kind of that, and a lot for for us as entrepreneurs, we're often driven by like we're motivated by something, and it's often part of our, our human experience. Some challenge. Some something that we went through or you know a a desire to solve a certain certain problem so yeah you've you've just gone through that that experience it's still very you know fresh in your mind the taste is still in your mouth um which gives you yeah that 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 drive if you will you know because Sora seems very much like a very startup type of culture as well
2: yeah i mean it's it like it's it's
1: not necessarily like i didn't anticipate right that i'd be starting like school per se like for me it was all just like i saw a problem you know just education itself like the sort of design of like our schools today and i wanted to solve it and so like that didn't necessarily when we started out this whole journey like we didn't think you know we're going to start a new kind of high school like we didn't have any sort of preconceptions it was just identifying problems and then ultimately figuring out ways to solve it and that eventually led us to start starting sora
0: yeah i'd be really curious to know um Particularly, you know, for for entrepreneurs, as we kind of, you know, we try to figure out what is that thing to tackle, right? There's so many, so many possibilities. Um, kind of walk us through some of the, the evolution from the, you know, what this education thing is is broken, in in, in certain ways. To yeah, I want to launch a virtual high school. Just kind of walk walk us through some of that that journey, how you went from A to B.
1: Yeah it was like it did it, that particular part of the journey lasted several months it was about the beginning of 2018 when Garrett West and I first started discussing basically what would eventually become Sora we had a just casual conversation we were talking about high school and how we felt like we weren't learning that much in high school and we just kind of you know spent most of our time in in years in high school just sort of doing tests and like memorizing information, just rinsing, repeating and like dumping it and then just forgetting it and moving on to the next thing for the next test. And we felt like we all sort of learned more outside of class than we really did in class. And so at a sort of like a on a LARP, we just kind of thought, what if we ran high school? Like what would we have done differently? So we just got a whiteboard, you know, wrote down some ideas like, oh, we'd have, you know, a career mentorship, right? And like learn about different careers out there. So like we don't just go off to college and for like, you know random majors, and like kind of figured it out then, so we wanted to prep more for like our futures and we had idea like we shouldn't be sitting in lecture all day, that's super inefficient, we should you know do things that are more hands- on and so forth, just lots of different ideas that we had and so at the end of all, like that conversation, like we just realized we were super interested in the topic and wanted to keep talking about it so for the preceding weeks or i guess following weeks, we'd send each other texts you know about like oh check out this article that we read about this new high school that started up here or check out uh this abstract on this research paper on like uh bloom to uh bloom's two sigma problem or like self-determination theory or something like that like which sounds really weird and geeky but it was something we were uh really into and the more we talked about it we realized that actually this is something we really wanted to keep doing so we, uh, we ended up like starting scheduled calls where we talked to each other about research and like findings we had and like, things we learned about like, education in the field. And eventually we realized that actually like, we wanted to start something. And we already, of course, had some perceived problems with what we you know, identified as high school education and how they're designed, the programs are designed. So we thought, okay, let's start with that. Let's see. Uh, let's kind of treat this as like a science experiment of sorts. Let's, uh, we have our hypothesis that these are things wrong with high school. Um, hopefully this is not just a thing that the three of us a sample size of three experience maybe more people experience this problem so we thought let's go about validating this let's talk to some people um so we reached out to anyone in our networks like a high school you know founder or like a teacher or like a principal and other people in our network um eventually we reached out to more outside our network like we talked to anyone that could really give us perspective on not just education but like really how to holistically develop like a person like how to and develop a person like to be a contributing member of society. And so we you know reached out to like, developmental biologists, like scientists too, uh, but again, also more education people too, like teachers and and such. And the more we talked to people, the more we realized that actually a lot of the hypotheses that we had were pretty common were pretty common uh, through uh, for most people. like most people that we talked to generally felt that high school was inefficient in, in a lot in a in the sense that like, you mostly just spend your time just learning arbitrary knowledge, spitting out facts for a test, and then just kind of moving on and forgetting most of what you learned in high school. <laughs> and so it just seemed largely a waste of time uh, in a lot of ways. And there are a lot of things that can be improved about high school, a lot of validating a lot of what we are already hypothesized. and realized that, okay, so we've identified all these problems. That's cool. How do we actually solve these problems? You know, it's, these are not you know, small things, like these are big systemic changes. And we did more research. And this time we started talking to more like education, technology entrepreneurs. We started talking to people who worked in schools, like improving schools, like school school reformists here, that type of thing. And realized that it would actually be very, very difficult to uh, change schools and improve schools, Uh, which is something that we were naive about too, right? Like we didn't know that like most people that try to like sell into schools or change schools mostly ran into a wall, (laughs) at least in terms of actual change over like a, you know long, over a short period of time like this sure. this process is long and hard and it like it often doesn't even work so the reason that if we couldn't change schools we thought why don't we just start one
0: so yeah well and to your point i remember i was re- reading a little bit about the the history of of soar on on your website and yeah you talked about you know this desire to kind of work within right to 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 change what this massive system but to your to your point there's so much there's so much inertia. There's so much, and and there's a lot of stakeholders who have a vested interest in things not changing, right? Whether it's teachers' unions or um, even private schools and and whatnot. So, um, yeah. It's, so you decided that that wasn't going to work, and uh, so then you started looking at uh, launching your own school. Let's let yeah. talk a bit about um, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Sora. How how you got it started? Kind of how it how it works. Um, you know, just give people a taste of what what Sora is all about.
1: Sure. So, what do we do at Sora? So, Sora, as you mentioned, right? It's a virtual project-based high school. Students explore their interest in future careers in our program. So, how it works, like predominantly, is that at Sora we don't have any sort of traditional trappings of like a traditional high school education. We don't have classes. We have. We don't have lectures. We don't have tests. Instead. Most of what students do at Sora are through projects. And for these projects, is predominantly decided by the student in terms of what this project actually concerns. Basically, the students get to decide what they want to study and work on. And so in our program, a student is not, say, taking Algebra 2 like, or like, sitting in World History Lecture. Instead, they're coding a video game. They're writing a fantasy novel. They're doing and conducting a scientific study uh, that uh, on a topic they're interested in, they're like researching uh, the history of jazz music, or like really just anything that sort of piques a student's curiosity and natural interests is what we hone in on and sort of make the basis of their education. And that's how we sort of make education relevant to student is by tying it to their interests. Now, it's our job now as, institu- as an institution to not only make sure that the education is fun and relevant to them, but also that, of course, we expand their knowledge base and like actually expose them to new subjects and fields. And so we do a lot of that by like working with our, by the students working with our learning experts to create like new projects and to kind of like stoke their curiosities and get them thinking in different directions. Our learning experts also put on workshops, which are sort of seminar based where they basically just create a workshop topic, like, uh, the, you know, pri- uh, the right to privacy in the digital age or something like that, or like, a. You know, a lab-based lab-based workshop on like a shark biology or something like that, um, and so our learning experts will also put on these workshops, to sort of expose students to new topics as well. And we do lots of other stuff regarding that too. We have industry mentors coming to give lightning talks. We have our counselor who constantly tries to find students mentors, like industry mentors, to sort of expose them to new careers and like fields of study. And ultimately, the whole goal of the program is to it helps students really discover themselves through their interests. And especially for the ones that you know, are a bit older and more advanced, like ultimately helping them think about their futures and what they want to do after school. Like, is it, do they want to go to college or not? What do they want to study if they want to go to college? Ultimately, what careers are they interested in? Like, how do they know that's a career they actually want to do or a job they want to do? Um, and once they've sort of decided that path, how do they actually go about sort of achieving that goal? And how do we basically reverse engineer the best path for them to get there? And so that's really the heart of what we do at Sora is like helping students figure out what they want to do after school and sort of reverse engineering that path for them and sort of custom creating like their path and curriculum and projects and all that through like everything we do at Sora the program. And so students who graduate from our program graduate just like any other high school student with a high school diploma, and transcript they can apply to college if they uh, so choose to and we help them with that process as well we also have some of the students who aren't necessarily interested in college and we and for those students we help them think about their first careers they might be interested in or what they want to do after school and that may not necessarily like look like a traditional career path either
0: yeah who knows they may even end up starting a, a business through something they discovered at sort of
1: Actually, that is a distinct possibility we've considered too. And for us, like that would be, we consider that a success. Some schools might consider that like, oh no, they dropped out or they didn't go to college. Uh, For us, we consider that as a success.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and, you know what, what what I love about what you're talking about is, you know, there's for so many students, right, whether it's high school or or college, you know, they graduate and then they they have no freaking clue. You know what what yeah, what they're they really don't. passionate about is they, <laughs> they spent all this time, spent all this money, and, and and they still have no idea or, or feel equipped. And so I, I think that's so important and that really resonates with me as a parent, um, for for my kids to to really have an opportunity to to get clarity on that and and have the you know the supports to try to to figure that out by um, focusing on things that they're really interested in. So um, yeah, so I, I think that's that's the kind of disruption that we need to see more in in education. Now, one of the things I'm I'm curious about, so, so people are, so kids, you know, they're going to work on these, these projects that they're interested in. Um, and from that, they're going to, you know, they're going to learn stuff. How, how does that translate into, you know, for those parents out there who are wondering about, you know, going on to traditional college and and so on, you know, how does that translate into a viable transcript? How do you, how do you do that translation?
1: Sure. So, What students do at Sora through their projects, right, is that they work on all these exciting things that are based on their interests. I mentioned a few examples earlier, you know, they're coding video games or like writing a fancy novel or something like that, right? So how does that tie to academic content like math, science, English, and so forth? So for most people, they sort of perceive like traditional classes as the primary and the really, in some cases, the only method of like learning these subjects, right? It's like you can only learn you know about history through history class, or you can only do English and learn about communication through English class or something. But frankly, that's simply not true. You can learn a lot of these subjects through just hands-on work, like by actually doing like, say, instead of say learning about computer science from a textbook, you could actually code and like work on a website. or instead of like learning about English you know in the abstract, like you could write and they get feedback and like learn to be a better writer. like a lot of these like a lot of these uh, subjects can be learned just through more hands-on work. Now of course, how it works on the back end in terms of like how we demonstrate competency on specific academic standards and subjects, uh, that can that's a bit more detailed I can provide. So as when a student does a project at Sora and when they sort of scope out their project initially and in their project plan with their learning expert, what we do is we Tag that project with certain academic standards that the project meets. Like, say, for example, a student is, say, uh, building a rocket, like as an example of a project. They, in that particular project, that rocket project would be tagged with certain academic standards that the student had to learn in order to achieve the project goal. So, for the rocket, for example, a student needs to learn about trigonometry. Uh, They need to learn some standards of physics and so forth. And so, as a student does the project, we map the project back to those standards. So, it's like, so our learning expert basically checks off on the project and says, wow, the student you know, did this project. They launched the rocket. Fantastic. They've clearly demonstrated these particular standards of physics and this particular standard of uh, you know, pre-calculus uh, in their project. So that's checked off. And we also, for more foundational concepts, like this more or less applies to math, like as a very special sort of subject in all these high school academic subjects. Uh, we also have students... Do uh, online uh, online programs and like basic curriculum to learn sort of the core concepts of say like math like basic equations and things like that uh, through programs like a CK12 or a Khan Academy of some sort. Um, but that's more or less to follow along and sort of to get the base knowledge. All the application and the exciting stuff mainly comes through the projects. Uh, and students can of course can also work on and learn through different ways other than just their own projects. I mentioned the workshops earlier that the learning experts will put on. Uh, they also learned those specific concepts through that as well. Uh, but the end goal is that we do cover all the high school academic curriculum that student would need to learn in order to graduate high school. They learn all the units of math, all the units of science, English, and so forth. Um, and so how that translates to a transcript is that as they learn all these different standards that I mentioned, we for transcripts and when a student applies to college, we repackage all those standards and components of those subjects back into the actual subject, like Algebra 1 or English 2 or something like that. And so we translate it back into a format that an admissions officer at a college can recognize and just say, wow, the student, you know, they, uh, they, uh, they took, uh, chemistry, physics, and, uh, biology or what have you. And then if they want, they can click into the transcript and get the specific details on like what the student did, and what project they did.
0: That's really fascinating. So one thing, so one thing that comes up for me is, uh, I mean, typically transcripts would have, you know, grades, right? Like A, B, C's, and all that, that jazz. So, um, so you may have those courses listed or whatever, but uh, how, do you, how do you translate that into like grades and so on? I know you talked, you know, when we talked about earlier, you talked a little bit about different levels of, of mastery. Is that, is that where that falls in place?
2: Yeah,
1: it's a, so our system is like in terms of grading assessment, it's officially a mastery-based transcript and a mastery-based system. So how the, all those standards work that I mentioned, right, um, is that we rate the students on a scale of zero to three if they, uh, on basically just their level of competency or mastery, you know, they're kind of interchangeable uh, for the scale. We basically rate them, on, rate them on that scale for that standard. Basically, how well do they know that particular component? Like uh, an example would be like uh, Algebra 1 and a ex- academic standard might be, uh, you know, ha- learn how to apply foil, you know, in an equation or something like that. So based on the student's knowledge of the subject and how well they did on the project or the programs that I mentioned, on a scale of zero to three, we'd rate them. So a zero would be, I have no idea what that thing is. One is, I know the general definition of foil and how to know what it does, but beyond that, I know nothing. Two is usually multiple exposures to that particular concept. Like, ah, you know, I've done this problem or, you know, done these math problems to demonstrate that I know foil or something like that um, multiple times. And then three is usually application and they can actually like demonstrate competency in that. It's like, oh, they clearly know how it works, how to use it, and like how the concept itself functions. Um, and that's just one tiny example of math. Obviously, it still applies to the other different standards. But that's basically how our sort of mastery-based transcript worked. We don't have grades in the classical sense. You wouldn't say get an A at Sora or a ninety or anything of the sort. Uh, you'd just be rated on this scale of zero to three. And so, on a transcript and how that sort of looks to colleges, I guess the closest corollary. Um, would be that three would be the highest scores that you could get, and then zero being obviously zero I mean zero is actually probably the easiest thing to translate. that just means zero, but uh, <laughs> the, uh, for the most part that's how I roughly translate go college um, the mastery based transcript is still a relatively new, more progressive way of like doing the transcript and assessments in schools, but it is a growing movement like the mastery based trend, the mastery uh, based, uh, the mastery transcript consortium that we're part of like it's you know it's adopted by like several hundred schools across the country, and so it's a wow. format that student. It's a format that schools do recognize, um, and it's a growing movement.
0: That was good to be my next, my next question. Is I mean, obviously, you guys you talked about you know brainstorming lots of cool ideas at at the whiteboard, but um, yeah, what out of, out of what Sora does today, you know, are there other um, existing models that are that are doing something similar and, and 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 working? You know, as you guys just just get rolling, like it's not like you totally just thought out of thin air. I'm assuming.
1: Yeah, no, we like the, the truth about progressive education models and like all these new sort of like ways of doing school is that most of them, well, except for the more technology, specifically technology-based ones, obviously that came with the internet. But most of these like progressive learning models and like different ways of edu- doing education have actually existed for a number of years. Like, you know, for example, a very, very basic kind of well-known example are like Montessori schools, for example, which have been around for decades at this point, many decades. And uh like it's like these concepts, like that we uh, that we know that ah, oh, you know, lecture isn't that great for teaching students, or the fact that you know, like it, like mastery-based systems are better for students as opposed to these spot-check, you know, grade-based systems that most schools do. Like they're better generally. Like most of these things we've known for quite some time. Like it's just the knowledge itself is not evenly distributed, say in schools. But there are like plenty of progressive schools that do are doing some pretty cool work with their like communities and programs that like we ourselves borrow some inspiration from like high tech high in california or iowa big um which, which is based in iowa um just as they suggest suggests. Um, or like Powderhouse studios like there's a bunch of different cool schools around the country around the us anyways but around around the let's just say continent to be more general around the continent uh, that are doing some really interesting things um with uh, for their students
0: in your case, um, you decided to go with a different approach and just go completely um, virtual. So, kind of curious, what, what made you decide to, to go that route? And you know, kind of what does a typical day look like for a student at Sora?
1: Yeah, yeah, virtual, I'd say, is something that's less common, uh, especially with our progressive model. Most people' uh, sort of perception of online schools is some YouTube videos you watch, some online textbook you read, and the multiple choice quiz and a test. Uh, maybe a live lecture uh, for some, you know, fancier online schools, but even that is basically just a YouTube video. <laughs> so, like, that's most people's perception of online schools. So, at least in that world, we're very, very different by most standards. Um, but sort of how it works on a day-to-day basis, just so you can get an understanding of like how different our school is. So at Sora, a day is uh, generally takes place from roughly nine to two to let's say nine to three on average. So in the morning, the students get up for what we call a morning stand-up. This is, uh, for those of you not familiar, this is very much borrowed from the technology industry. But stand-up is basically where you talk about what you're going to do for the day, your list of tasks, uh, the things that you're going to accomplish, the meetings you're going to attend. And it's a pretty short meeting. It's meant to take 10 to 15 minutes max. The term is derived from people literally standing up in a meeting, saying their piece, and then sitting down. So... Um, virtually of course they don't have to do that a student can sit down at their computer but at uh, stand up in the morning at 9 30 when students get up they talk about their projects what they're going to work on for the day any meetings they may have and things like that and like i said it generally takes 10 to 15 minutes max Uh, this happens in what we call a house or sort of like a peer accountability group some people have also likened it to a harry potter house because we do have house competitions and things like that but for the most part It's just a house. So it's like a group of students they're with. Um, They don't necessarily work on the same things, but they are sort of with them and sort of keep each other accountable. So in this house, they have their stand up in the morning at 9.30. Then during the middle part of the day from roughly 10 to 2, it's largely unstructured. What that means is that students may have time to do their work asynchronously, right? Like work on their projects, their assignment, whatever they have to do. Um, They may also have meetings, say like a scheduled one-on-one with their counselor or they're attending a workshop at 1 o'clock, or they have a group project meeting at 12, you know, whatever it may be, that generally happens between that 10 and 2 time. And then roughly at 2 or 2.30 is when students have checkpoint, which is also with their house, and is more or less an inverse of their stand-up meeting in the morning. Basically, they talk about what they did do during the day. And usually, it's more social in nature, and the students will also do some type of like fun activity, like uh, play a game or just talk and just, you know, sort of socialize, basically. And then the afternoons are usually more reserved for like student-run clubs and other like more social things. Uh, most of the core stuff happens between that 9 to 2 slot. Now, the, uh, the, our whole schedule itself is really structured around students really having more autonomy in what they do with their day. Like we don't just say make them sit in front of a computer for like 8 hours for an you know, 8-hour meeting, which is, by most standards, terrible. <laughs> our schedule is a lot less like a factory more like college in a lot of ways. It's more like real life, actually, where students, you know, they have time for breaks, they have time to do their work, and you know, specific meetings where they, you know, meet with the counselor, or the learning expert to work on their projects, or they just have you know, sort of free time to actually do their work asynchronously. So it's like a blend between asynchronous and synchronous.
0: Yeah, that that sounds really cool. Um, and I, I was kind of curious too about the social side of things. So yeah, you mentioned like the social clubs and and whatnot, because and for some parents too right or even as i think back to our our high school years which for you wasn't too long ago you like probably the best part was was hanging out with friends and and doing you know cool social stuff so um so there's still time time part of your, your Sora experience to uh just get together with other kids virtually of course um that are, are have similar interests and stuff
1: yeah like like I, uh you might have you might have derived it from the way i described sort of a day-to-day at sora but there's plenty of time to speak with other students and kind of like get to know them, right? It's a very live sort of synchronous school and an online community. And so, like I said, the students are part of their houses where they participate in like house competitions and they compete with points and based on like what projects they've done and like their work at Sora. Um, So it's sort of academically motivated as well, but it's really for fun. Like it's not like, you know, we have like ranks or anything like that. Like it's more just like social, purely social. Like their prizes might be, you know, deciding what emoji they get to create or something for like as a reaction in like the like the software we use or something like that. So it's usually, like I said, more social in nature. It's not meant to be like unhealthily competitive. Um, so we do have competitions like that. Like there are student run clubs, there's movie club, Dungeons and Dragons club, art club, you know, whatever it may be that the students create. I've lost track of all the clubs to be honest. Um, and of course the students see each other quite often throughout the day, at least over video. Like in person wise, like we don't have any official Sora sanctioned sort of functions. That makes sense. Like we don't have like a field trip or like a get together that we schedule for the students. But for the students that are are located near each other, if they would just want to get together and hang out like outside of Sora time, that's perfectly fine. We don't forbid them for doing that. They're certainly allowed to, you know, get to know each other like in person, like however they wish outside of
2: Sora. Yeah, totally for sure. Um, just
0: to maybe switch the, the focus for a minute, kind of put on your your entrepreneur hat um, again. So you mentioned that you you, know, you started this with a couple other uh, co founders. Just kind of curious, you know, like for I know for a lot of entrepreneurs, kind of taking that step to um, start a business with other people can be either exciting or really scary. You know, having to you know giving up some control or having to you know work together. I mean, how how do you find that the three of you kind of complement each other, and, and how do you um, how do you wrestle with how to like how to make decisions when you've all got you know passions and ideas as, as three different uh, three different guys?
1: Yeah, so this this is a little more relevant when we first started out, where there are three co-founders. Like we were just trying to figure out how to like divide responsibilities and functions, and sort of like who was responsible for what. Um, usually, like at our stage now, like our roles, of course, are much more defined, and like our responsibilities and what we do at Sora. So I can just generally tell you how it breaks down now. Um, so like, for example, I lead most admissions. Like I do growth and marketing and sales to some extent, which is basically admissions, at least in startup terms. Um, and so that's kind of my function. I basically speak with customers and you know, just enroll students uh, and talk to parents all day. That's what I do. My co- another uh, co-founder, Wesley, does mostly operations work. And so that's managing the faculty. You know, making sure the students are are happy and learning, and making sure the faculty are happy and like able to do their jobs, and like sort of managing the school to some extent, uh, and also sort of like legal and finance work as well, sort of making sure we're well budgeted and uh, perfectly legal, <laughs> so and <laughs> and uh, and all that. And then our uh, third co-founder Garrett mostly focuses on curriculum design and like making sure the program itself is functioning, and that students are learning, and that we're sort of tracking everything. He also, of course, works with our technology, like writing code and like creating software for the students to use LMS for our faculty to manage student progress with, uh, and then also fundraising as well. So that's kind of how our like responsibilities generally break down. Then, of course, our teachers and like counselor do their jobs, which is teach students and counsel students. Uh, and so, and and therein, um, as far as like generally how we divided that up, like starting up, it was really sort of arbitrary in the beginning we just said oh i'll generally do this right i'll try to find all the opportunities to market sora and then like wesley might say like and i you know we'll basically just try to make sure we actually can run this school and like sort of think about the program and then sort of worked it alongside that with garrett who basically sort of thought about our curriculum and how our program might actually work in function and sort of like incorporating all the research that we've done as well to like make sure the program is well designed so like I said, in the beginning, it's mostly arbitrary, but we all sort of just found our natural niches of like what we ourselves did best. Like, for example, like I like generally like talking to parents and like just getting to know people and like sort of talking them through their student and like learning about their schooling history and sort of learning about if we can incorporate that. So it's a very sort of personal touch that I like to apply. Um, and also, of course, like growth in general and like doing marketing work. Uh, so like I said, everyone just kind of falls along their sort of natural like inclinations towards certain like fields, and then
2: yeah, and then that's just how we we end up dividing up.
0: Awesome, yeah. So just found that natural niche and, and created sort of some some autonomy through uh, obviously three really important parts of of the business. So just just curious. I mean, being I mean, you've you've been doing this for for a year now, so you've had some a bit of a bit of traction. You know, are you are you cash positive at this point, or how, how are you funding this uh, this
2: uh, adventure?
1: yeah so right uh, right now, at least of course students pay tuition um, so we have uh, we have that as like a mainstream of revenue for the school. We also uh, have fundraised as well from mostly private individuals, angel investors and things like that um, and we'll likely be fundraising in the near future as well from uh, from some firms and other like investors at this point, so that's
2: generally how the school itself like runs and stays afloat.: <laughs> Yeah, awesome. Well So just a couple more more questions
0: for you. Um, what, what would you say right now, kind of you know if, if there's anything like what 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 would get you up in the night? like what 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 do you worry about the most as, as you sort of go down this, this this new path?
2: What keeps me up at night that's, uh, that's a good question. I'd say
1: generally what keeps me up at night at Sora is really just making sure that our students are happy and learning really like i we care a lot about their feedback about our program like if a student says something's wrong and it's not say something expected if that makes sense like if they say oh this project's hard it's like okay fine that 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 comes with uh that comes with the territory but if they say like oh like i'm like i'm not able to function in with the schedule or something like that because it's like very chaotic or oh like i do genuinely like i'm not enjoying my time at sora or i'm not making any friends like that to me like keeps me up is that like i want to make sure that students actually enjoy like being at sora like because if they're not enjoying it being sora it's not working for them like i don't want to keep them there if they don't like it like ultimately our goal is to make a product that people like (laughs) and so that keeps me up a lot
0: and and you you know i know from learning about but Sora, that uh, you guys really bake in that that feedback into your your model, so that uh, you can keep those those worries at night at a at a minimum, I suppose, right? You could want to talk a little bit about how that works?
1: Sure. So at Sora, like I said, right, students have a lot of autonomy and voice in their learning and their education, sort of like what they do, like for the uh, for their projects and curriculum. But another part. And a very important part of how they have voice in their education is actually in the design of the program itself. So at Sora, we have what we call Roadmap Club, which is, like the name suggests, is sort of deciding the roadmap. Uh, But instead of, say, a classic, say, SaaS product, it's the roadmap for the school. So just what direction the program itself at Sora takes. Initially, when we started Roadmap Club, it was just like a meeting that three founders, we just came up with. because we had some ideas for what we wanted to change the school with and sort of updates we wanted to make to the program and we wanted to get the students feedback. So we just organized a meeting and, and in that meeting just talked about the ideas we had and like asked the students for the feedback, like, Hey, we're thinking about making the schedules a bit more like uh, rigid. So you don't have as much say scheduling issues or something like that. Like, does that sound like a good like thing to you? Like, does that, would that solve this problem? And then they give their feedback. And then we go about implementing it or changing it as such. And over time, we just kept meeting because we had more ideas. And then sometimes the students had ideas. And then we just, over time, like it just became a very sort of periodic scheduled thing uh, as part of our culture at Sora. It's not even required. Like Most students attend, but we don't require most students to attend. They just do because they themselves care about what they're going to learn. And they like having that voice in their education and like, like having that feeling of power and control and like having that autonomy. And eventually, we just called it Roadmap Club, like it was technically the product roadmap, but then it just became like they were like it's a club, and we're like, sure it could be a club we'll just call nice. it roadmap club and so <laughs> "Now that's kind of like our student sort of like uh government to some extent, but then mm. also it's more or less like an open forum where students can just air grievances and like uh, suggest ideas and give feedback
0: what well, what's an example of you know one particular feedback or idea from a student that was really,
2: um, you know, had, had a really big impact. Well,
1: for example, one, uh, one such feedback we got from students was that about halfway through Sora, we had, for example, in our program, we, uh, we had students do group projects every, uh, every few weeks, uh, just to sort of, and it could be on different topics, right? One was on climate change, one was on, uh, philosophy, like it kind of varied. And so, We had these structured group projects that we'd require students to do, and the main feedback we got from them is that as the students were basically just doing these big projects every few weeks, they basically had no time to actually do the other projects they were super interested in, and like they basically just had to drop everything and do these big projects, and so there was no room for anything else, and it kind of created a lot of stress in their in their life and schedules too. And so ultimately, just because of the feedback we got from the students, roadmap club we decided to stop doing these sort of structured, like forced group projects. Now, if a student wants to do a group project, it's just based on organic student interest and like alignment, like what they're learning, um, as opposed to being like something we sort of force upon the students.
0: That's really cool. Um, so kind of looking ahead at, you know, all the possibilities where this can go. I mean, you're just, just you're just getting started, right? And let's be really exciting. What where, where, where do you envision like Sora, say five, 10 years from now like what are your hopes some of your dreams like what are what what are some differences that you really want to have made in the education space when you look
2: back say five or ten years from now yeah i mean
1: if uh, if, it, if, you, if you and or any viewers are familiar with start of life it's very hard to imagine five to ten years because frankly you more or less plan several months ahead and that's mainly it maybe a couple years <laughs> for us like Yeah. The uh, first and foremost, like in terms of short-term goal, is that we want to continue growing the school. Right. Like at this point, like we spent. It's been almost a year now since we officially started back in September 2019. We started off with just a very small class of students, like a handful of students at most, mostly because we knew we would have to make a lot of changes. We knew we'd have to iterate. We knew we'd have to sort of do a lot with our students and to make sure it was a good program that would actually like be everything we wanted it to be. And so we couldn't do that with, say, like a lot of students just because changes changes directly affected by, you know, the size that you're working with, I'd say. And so there's a gravity to size that, you know, with five students, we can do better than, say, 50. So we intentionally remained pretty small. But now we're at the growth phases of the company and the school, you know, as they're on SAR in tandem. Like we're in the growth phase where, we're at this point just expanding our reach across uh, and across the country, and in some cases the world. Uh, though that we won't officially announce uh, quite yet. So at, at least in the short term, it's just about growing the school and graduating our first students, and making sure that our program still and our product is as good as we intend it to be. Uh, but five to ten years, I mean, hard to imagine. But in ten years, I mean, I hope to be educating we hope to be educating a significant portion of student of high school students uh, in at least well, one, not, not country, because also, there's also other countries. But at least we generally hope to be educating a significant portion of high school students. Like, we, uh, we hope that our students, in terms of, because in 10 years, we'll even have outcomes, not just of high school graduates, but even actually say, if they go to college or even their first careers, Like we hope that our students really are successful like you know those graduates that first leave sora and like go off to do whatever they want like we hope that you know they don't spend say like four years in college trying to figure out their major in their life because they're having a quarter-life crisis we hope the students enter careers that they actually want to be in and actually are passionate about or at the very least like uh being in and we hope that they have good outcomes Um, so that's generally what i can say to that question
0: well personally i'm really excited about what you guys are doing at Sora. And, you know, I think it's really things like Sora that are the future of education. And my, my hope is we see, um, a lot more Soras out there as well. And and collectively just changing education for the better. So thanks so much for, for jumping in and, and, and fighting this battle for the future generations, uh, helping them light up in ways that makes them come alive. So, um, Andrea, how can people find out more about sora or even contact you directly
1: sure so if you're say for example a parent who's interested in sora for your high school student all you have to do is go to our website www.soraschools.com and uh, learn more about our virtual project-based high school there
0: awesome and we'll have the we'll have all the links in the in the show notes as well so I really appreciate you coming uh, on the show today, Indra, and I wish you guys all the best in the future. And who knows, maybe, uh, maybe my son will be a Sora student someday. Maybe. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done so, be sure to click on the subscribe button in your app so you never miss a future episode. And when you leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen... You help more people discover and then transform their lives through the powerful life-changing stories on this podcast. I invite you also to share something that you heard in this episode that you would love to turn into a conversation. Share it with people and have that conversation. Because when ideas become conversations that build connections, that's when momentum happens. I'll see you in the next episode.